So just mark that down. Uh, turn to your Bibles to John chapter 5. And while you're turning to John chapter 5, I'll uh, read you a couple little humorous things here. I, uh, I went and spoke at the youth camp. And when I spoke at the youth camp, uh, James was there, my son, at youth camp. Elaine was with Debbie and I, Debbie and me. She was with us. Josh, my oldest son, was back here. So I called home one time to speak to Josh, and I got the answering machine. Now, my son, uh, James, um, doesn't have a normal message on his voicemail. And when I called home and got my answering machine, some of you may have gotten this about a month ago because I've changed it since then now that I found out what he did. But he, um, he put a humorous message on there. Uh, let me, first of all, before I tell you the one that's on our, that's on our answer machine, let me read you. If you call his cell phone, if he, he has a car phone, if you call his car phone, this is what you get right now. Right now, this is still on his car phone. Hi, we're not in right now to take your call. But if you'd like to leave us a message, please press pound, press three, then dial your name. Press six, dial your number, then press star for 69, ask for extension 4443, then leave your name and your message. If you want to leave your number and the time you call, please press star twice, bark like a dog, spin in a circle, press one 26 times, and wait for the beat. So that's what you get if you call his cell phone right now. So I called home to talk to Josh, and apparently James had put a message on our home answer machine. Now you remember, if I just if I need to remind you, I'm a pastor. So people are calling my home to speak with a pastor. This is what it said before I changed it. Hello and welcome to the Springfield Police Department. If you know the name of the felony you wish to report, please press 1. To choose from a list of current felonies now being committed, please press 2. If you do not know the felony you wish to report, please press 3. If you're calling from a rotary phone or being murdered right now, please stay on the line and your call will be answered in the order in which it came. So if you called and got that, I apologize, but it's been taken care of. Uh, before I get in the message, I want to introduce you to a good friend of mine, John Dunn. We served together as elders at Shady Grove Church. He's now the pastor in Denmark, Bornholm Island, and uh, I am so glad that he's here. And I, I just wanted you, John, would you stand up and just let us welcome you? I'm very glad he's here. John chapter 5, I'm preaching tonight on healed or hurt, it's your choice. Healed or hurt, it's your choice. John chapter 5, we're going to read 16 verses, all right? Verse 1, after this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, 
Do you want to be made well? What a great question. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Now that's a problem with the Jews. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. You should have waited till Monday to get healed. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Look at these words in red in your Bible. Sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. My word. (laughs) Can you believe Jesus would heal someone on the Sabbath? Well, we want to talk about it tonight. Now, this reminds me of the church. This entire story reminds me of the church, and I'll tell you some reason that it reminds me of the church. Number one, it was a pool called Bethesda. Bethesda means house of mercy. That's what it means, house of mercy. What better name for a church? House of mercy. The church is a place where people have received mercy, and then they are anxious to give mercy to other people. They are anxious to extend mercy to anyone who walks in because they themselves have received mercy. This is a house where you find mercy. The second reason it reminds me of the church, it was near the sheep gate. That's basically what church is. It's where the sheep come in every week into the presence of God. And by the way, goats can come in too. Once you come in, you get changed into a sheep though. All you have to do is get in His presence and He'll take care of the changing business. Another reason it reminds me of the church, it had five porches. Well, again, I'm just, I'm, I'm just um, um, kind of being uh, illustrative here. Five porches could represent, and I'm not saying it does, but it could represent the five offices of the church. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, evangelist pastor, and teacher. Five ministries of the church. Angel, no waiting for the moving of the water. Now, let me say something about this. There are some good things about this story that reminds me of the church, and there are some bad things. We're going to start on a few of the bad things. They were waiting for the moving of the water. I personally believe that the church in America right now is waiting for the next move of God. And I think it's wrong. I'm going to give you my take on it. I don't want to wait for the next move of God. I want to start it. I want to start it in prayer. I want to start it in worship. I want to start it in evangelism. I want to start it in healings. I want to start it in people getting saved and delivered in the presence of God. I don't think we'll just sit around waiting. See, half of the church in America basically is waiting for the bus. They're waiting for the rapture. They're waiting to leave and just let the world go to hell. And the other half is just waiting for a move of God. Well, let's stop waiting. Let's just start a move of God right here in Southlake. Would that be all right with you? 
All right? Here's another reason it reminds me of the church. Angel ministry. None of them were doing anything. They were waiting for some big shot to come in and do something. The church is not going to do what it needs to do by big shots. It's going to do it by every saint being equipped for the work of the ministry and every saint doing the ministry. They didn't need a big shot. They needed Jesus. Here's another reason. 38 years. It said when Jesus knew he'd been in that condition a long time, 38 years, he said, do you want to be healed? The church is full of people who've been in the same condition for a long time. Is that right? Come to church week after week and they never get changed. Never changed. Never win anyone to Jesus. Here's another reason it reminds me of the church. There was a great multitude of sick people. There's a lot of sick people in the church. And what's amazing to me is we're the healers in the church. And we're still sick. Physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally sick. And here's the last reason it reminds me of the church. is because when Jesus did do something, the religious people got mad. All he did was heal someone. That's all he did. And they got so upset at him because he healed someone. What prompted Jesus to ask, do you want to be healed? I'll tell you what prompted it. It said it right there in verse 5. Knowing that he'd been in this condition for a long time. Jesus knew exactly how many times the angel had come down and stirred the water. He knew in that 38 years, maybe the angel had come down four times a year or something. Maybe over a hundred times the angel had come down, and this man was still sick. So because he'd been in that condition a long time, Jesus said to him, Do you even want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? And we're going to explore that tonight, because that is my question for you. If you've been in the condition you're in for a long time, if you've had fear for a long time, if you've had insecurity for a long time, if you've had bitterness for a long time, if you've been in bondage to lust for a long time, I have a question for you. Do you even want to be healed? Do you want to be free? I don't believe that any person genuinely wants to be free and can't get free. I don't believe it. I believe if you seek Him, you'll find Him. If you knock, it will be open. If you ask, you'll receive. So do you want to be healed or hurt? It's your choice. It is your choice how you live the rest of your life, healed or hurt. So we're going to look at three things tonight about this. Number one, the reason to be healed. The reason to be healed is real simple, because we've all been hurt. Is there anyone here who has never been hurt by a word or by a friend or by a situation? You've never had anything hurtful or painful in your life happen. Anyone? Maybe in the nursery. Maybe there's some, but probably, probably some of them, even in the first day they were on this earth, someone slapped them, you know? So everybody has been hurt. Everybody. And that's the reason we need to be healed. You have been hurt. You have had things happen to you. All of us have had people disappoint us. We've all had people surprise us and do things that we didn't think they would do and say things we didn't think they would say. So we've all been hurt. And let me explain something to you about hurts. Hurts open the door for sin. You remember Jesus said to this man, you've been healed. Now go and sin no more. 
lest the worst thing come on you. You see, when you've been hurt, the door is open for bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, hate, malice, jealous, jealousy, envy, insecurity, inferiority, fear, anger, pride. That's what opens the door. Hurts open the door to sin. And Jesus knew that. So the reason to be healed is so we can get free. If you have a bondage in your life, I'm telling you, it may go back to that you've never been healed. That you're still carrying some hurt around with you. There's a line in a song that we sing. I don't know what song it is, Thomas, but it says, You've healed me to the uttermost. What? When I think about the Lord. And we were singing that about a month ago, and I was sitting right over there. And I sang, You've healed me to the uttermost. And I thought about it. I, I have friends to this day who've been in ministry for years who are the most insecure people I've ever met in my life. It blows me away. You can't have a normal conversation with them because they'll get angry, they'll get upset, they get defensive. And I was standing right over there and I was singing that song and I thought, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You have healed me to the uttermost. I mean, I can have someone right, just right in my face get upset with me and angry and shout at me and I'm sitting there thinking, This person's crazy. And I feel so sorry for this person. I feel so sorry. I'm not, I'm, it's not even affecting me. It's like water off a duck's back. You know why? Because I'm healed. And I was sitting over there thinking, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. That you. And you know what he said to me? He said, you chose. You chose to be healed. And that's when he began stirring this message in me. We, I, I, we, I made a choice. I don't want to. And look at these diseases that he named. Blind, lame, and paralyzed. What about spiritual blindness in the church? Let me tell you something. Because of past hurts, many times we do not spiritually discern what's going on around us. And we look back and we think, boy, I wish I'd realized what was going on at that time. I could have made the right decision with my teenagers. I could have made the right decision about the church I was going to. If I could have just seen in the Spirit what was actually happening. And you know why we're blind? Because we have hurts. Those hurts that haven't been healed cause spiritual blindness. Lameness. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, what would spiritual lameness be then? It would be fulfilling the lust of the flesh. If walking in the Spirit is not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, then being lame and you can't walk is fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Some of you men have been in bondage to lust for years. And listen to me. The root is there. you're a hurt man. You were never admitted, but you're hurt. And because you've never been hurt, the way you try and fill that void is through sexual fulfillment. But it never gets filled. It never gets filled. Blind, lame, paralyzed. People absolutely, totally paralyzed by fear. Paralyzed by bitterness. Paralyzed by insecurity. You get around people and you start talking to them and they start stuttering almost and get real nervous. They're trying to talk. They're so insecure, so inferior, and you're just trying to have a conversation with them. They're, they're literally paralyzed. They can't say anything around you because they're so paralyzed by fear. We have these same diseases in the church. God says to the church today, do you want to be healed? Do you know what the church today responds with? You sure we're sick? We ask God. See, Jesus never would have asked the question if it wasn't important. 
Do you want to be healed? Do you really want to be? Not having Scripture jump off the page is blindness. Fulfilling the lusts of the flesh is lameness. Being so paralyzed with fear that you don't witness is being paralyzed in the Spirit. Think about this. We have to have classes today in the church on how to witness. And we have to beg people to witness. The church is so paralyzed by fear. They told the early church, if you witness, we will kill you. And they said, well, we've got to obey God. Just go right ahead and kill them. As a matter of fact, they got persecuted. They got whipped. They got scourged, beaten 39 times, and it says they went out rejoicing, saying, we were counted worthy to be persecuted. We were counted worthy. Can you see them? Quack, quack, quack. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We were counted worthy to be persecuted. See, we don't even know what persecution is. If we get in trouble for being late to work, I'm really being persecuted at work. I tell you, my boss, he's persecuting me because I'm a Christian. No, he's correcting you because you've been late to work three times this month. That's all it is. That is not persecution. That's laziness. That's, that's all that is. Defensiveness, overreacting, manipulation, or trying to control the conversation are all signs of past hurts that haven't been healed. Let me say that again. Defensiveness, overreacting, manipulation, or trying to control the conversation are all signs that you have past hurts that you haven't been healed from. It's like saying to someone, um, I need to talk to you about something. And they say, why are you always getting on me? Well, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Calm down. Now. Well, what do, you, what do you want? What do you want? No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Just a minute. I just need to talk to you about something. Okay, go ahead. What is it? Go ahead. I'm ready. He said, what, what is the deal? See, that person is so hurt, so wounded, you can't even have a normal conversation with them. It's what I call the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde syndrome. Listen to me. There's this Dr. Jekyll that's this calm, kind, soft-spoken person. And something happens and they turn into Mr. Hyde, and they're angry, and they're mean, and they're loud, and they're controlling. What they, listen to what they've done. They've developed, literally, another personality that protects Dr. Jekyll from being hurt. And if Dr. Jekyll thinks that you're going to say something to him that might hurt his feelings, might somehow cause hurt, Correction, anything. You don't like something? If he says, then Mr. Hyde comes out and just chews you out real good so you won't say anything. Y'all are getting real quiet right now. I'm telling you, this is the book I'm going to write. I told you two weeks ago, I'm going to write a book that says, don't confront me, you might hurt my feelings. I have dealt with this in so many people, I cannot believe. I'm talking about, I know people who've been Christians for 30 and 40 years like this. You can't confront them. You can't say anything to them. It's the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde syndrome. Mr. Hyde is very angry, very violent, and he keeps you from saying something to Dr. Jekyll that Dr. Jekyll might not like. Listen to me. Some of you are like this. You need to admit it. You may not be exaggerated like this, but you may have a little bit of this in you. You need to get healed. Do you want to be healed? I got a splinter when I was young. 
I remember when I was a kid getting a splinter, and I, I hid it from my dad. Because dads are real bad at getting splinters out. Moms are good. But, you know, moms take their time. They'll take about 30 minutes to get a splinter out. Not a dad. He'll take one minute tops. And most of them do it with a knife. You know? They just, here, let me just, I just get that thing out. There we go, son. It's bleeding now. Yeah, but it's out. It's out. So I hid this splinter because I didn't want the pain of getting it out. And I didn't show it to my mom either. And I went for days. Anyone have any idea what happened? Yeah. And it hurt a whole lot more trying to get it out. Some of you have multiple splinters. And you didn't want the pain of getting it out, but it's a whole lot worse now because they've been in there so long. So my question for you is, do you want to be healed? The responsibility to be healed. Whose responsibility is it to be healed? Is it all God's responsibility or do we need to cooperate with Him? Mark chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. All right? Jesus said to this man, Stretch out your hand. What if he had said, I don't want to? See, he had a withered hand. I don't want to stretch out. I don't want someone to see my imperfection. I don't want someone to see my weakness. I don't want to go down front to the ministry team and tell them that I'm in bondage to fear. You're going to have to cooperate. If you want to be healed, He's ready to heal you, but you have to cooperate with Him. He told this man to do three things. Number one, He told him to rise. Basically, He said, get up. Quit wallowing in self-pity. Get up. Now, here's what gets me, though. You remember He asked him, do you want to be healed? You remember what His answer was? This blows me away. He did not say yes. It's a very simple question. Do you want to be healed? He didn't say, yes. You know what he said? Another one steps down before me. I don't have anyone to help me. He gave an excuse. This is exactly, I've said to people, do you want to be healed? Well, the, the pastor didn't call me back. Well, get over that. That happens all the time. Pastors don't call people back. Just get over it. Well, the counselor, though, that couldn't work me in. You don't need the counselor. You need Jesus. You need a touch from Jesus. No one will help me. No one will sit around the clock with me. No one will take care of me. My friends won't even help me. Listen to me. This is the victim mentality. It's always someone else's fault. It's not my fault that I'm sick. That's what he was saying. Jesus said, would you even want to be healed? You've been here 38 years. Do you even want to be healed? You know what he said? It's not my fault. He had convinced himself for 38 years it wasn't his fault that he wasn't healed. Jesus said, get up. Get up. Then he said, take up your bed. You know what that meant? Go against the religious system of the day. Doesn't matter what the Pharisees say. Doesn't matter if you get ridiculed. It doesn't matter if someone calls you a heretic or a wild charismatic for going to that church. If you get your needs met, that's where you need to go. If you get healed. Listen, I left a traditional church. And basically, my friends who were Pharisees at that time said to me, what are you doing going to that church? You know what I said to them? The one who made me well told me to go to that church. 
Your religious structure didn't help me. I was there for years. You didn't help me a bit. And the one that set me free from all these hurts and healed me and filled me with the Spirit told me to go to that church. So I'm going to do it. If you're going to be healed, you're going to have to live by grace, not law. See, law said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Grace said turn the other cheek. In other words, grace says you're going to have to forgive. Law says get revenge. If you're going to be healed, you're going to have to live by grace. Here's the third thing. He said walk. Just walk. Do something. Go somewhere. 38 years. I want you to think about this. Do you want to be healed? You know what what was in that man's mind? I'll have to leave the pool. All my friends are here. I know all the choruses. We, we watch Gilligan's Island every day at 3. We, we play Canasta every night at 7. My dad built those steps right over there. I've been here 38 years. Do you want to be healed? Do you want? It's your responsibility. Listen to me. I, I, this blows me. 38 years he's been there. And the angel comes down and moves, and whoever gets in the water first gets healed. Come on, Dad. Come on. I got it. 38 years. It looks to me like in 38 years, the guy could have just laid down on the edge of the pool, and when the angel came down, he could have just, you know, just rolled off in the pool like that. And I'm not doing that again, all right? Because I'm at that age, I might break a hip. <laughs> you know? How's your dad doing? Oh, he fell and broke his hip the other day, so I don't want to break a hip. But come on, 38 years. Couldn't he have just laid on the edge of the pool? And when the angel came down, just rolled over in the water. If he really wanted to be healed, okay, i got a question for you. If you really want to be healed, couldn't you get someone to pray for you tonight? Couldn't you admit? I, I need to admit it. I'm in bondage. I have terrible thoughts. I'm in bondage to fear. I'm in bondage to what people think of me. I'm in bondage to pride. I'm sick of it. Do you want to be healed? People who choose to stay hurt don't like to accept responsibility for their circumstances. Here's the third thing. The result of being healed. The result is freedom. He didn't have to stay at the pool anymore. He could go out. He could have a family. He could have a life. He could have a good job. It was freedom. It was joy. Here's the other thing. The result was intimacy with God and others. See, he didn't even know Jesus when he got healed. you realize that? Pharisees came to him and said, Hey, who healed you? He said, I don't know. He didn't even know him. But after he made the decision to get healed, Jesus revealed himself to him. And he got the revelation of who Jesus was after he got healed. Here's the next thing he got. He got the next step of obedience in his life. Jesus said, now, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Listen to me. Some of you are so waiting for the next step from God, you're not going to get it till you get healed. Until you take this step of obedience, and after you take this step of obedience, then he'll give you the next step, next instructions. See, the result is intimacy, not only with God, but with others. Some of you have arm's length relationships with people around you because you're afraid to get hurt again. 
Hurt people are afraid to get hurt again. Healed people risk relationships. They risk it. They say, I'll have relationships. Because I know that if that person does disappoint me, I've got someone who will never disappoint me. And I've got someone who can heal me in that relationship. The more wrong, listen to this, the more wrong the other person is, the more you get blessed for forgiving them. I've experienced this my whole life. Some of you know me. Some of you are jealous of me because I'm blessed. I am blessed. I'm going to tell you why I'm blessed. Because a lot of people have done me wrong and I forgive them. As a matter of fact, when somebody really does me wrong, I think, yes, Lord, what am I going to get now? Because <laughs> this is great. I forgive them. I forgive them, Lord. I forgive them. He's like, I heard you. I heard you. I just want you to know I forgive them. I release them. It's, it's wonderful. It's the best life on this earth. Because you can have relationships and close relationships. And if someone hurts you, you can just release them. You can just forgive them. Do you know why? Because I've been forgiven. See, a while back, someone hurt me. Someone said something. I just, I couldn't believe, I could not believe this person would do that. And I wrestle with it. I understand. If you're hurt, I'm not making fun of you tonight. I've been there. I've been there where for months it keeps coming back to you over and over and over again. And I kept saying, I forgive them, I forgive them. Lord, help me to forgive them. That's a good sign you haven't forgiven them. Lord, help me to forgive them. I, I understand, okay? I'm not making fun of you. I've been there. And after months and months and months of trying to get over this hurt, one night, you just keep pressing into Jesus, the Lord spoke to me and said, is what he did worse than this thing that you did? And he brought back something from my past that was a lot worse. And I said to him, it's not even close, Lord. I mean, what he did to me was bad, but what I did was worse. And the Lord said to me, uh-huh, and I have mercy on you. And he said, I want you to have mercy on him. And I remember saying to the Lord, but he was wrong. And you know what the Lord said? That's why you have mercy on someone. See, you don't have mercy on people who are right. <laughs> you did something good for me, so I just have mercy on you. No, you have mercy on people who are wrong, who do something that's wrong. And it was, it was good to find, just hear the Lord say, yes, he was wrong. He was wrong. Now have mercy on him. I want you to extend mercy. And I'm telling you, this was about 2 o'clock in the morning. And God did such a breakthrough. I went to sleep right after that. I woke up the next morning totally free. And let me tell you what having mercy means. It's as if they never did it. It's as if it never happened. Because the devil will keep bringing it up to you and you'll keep replaying it in your mind. And every time the devil bring it up to me, the Lord's, I'd, I'd just be, I'd be thinking about my mind. The Lord say, what are you doing? Well, I was just kind of, you know, thinking about it. He said it never happened. Well, yeah, but no, he said it never happened. He said, I forgot your sin. I had mercy on you. If you have mercy like I have mercy, it means it never happened. Let me tell you something, that's freedom. That's freedom. Now, I talked a moment ago about that splinter. Let me, let me just, well, let me say one thing before I say that. It says they were waiting for a certain time. At a certain time, the angel would come down. That word is kairos. You ever heard the Greek word kairos? It means a window of opportunity. 
an angel would come down at a Kairos moment and there would be a window of opportunity that you could get in the pool and get healed. Let me tell you where else that word is. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born in the law. Let me tell you what that means. But when the Kairos came, when the Kairos moment came, God sent forth His Son. Listen to me. That means that God sent His Son, and right now, for 2,000 years, we've been living in a window of opportunity. You don't need an angel to come down and stir up the water, because Jesus has already come. All you need to do is get exactly what that man got that day, and that's a touch from Jesus. That's it. And this is your window of opportunity right now. Here's your window. Now, the splinter. What if my dad could have magically put his finger over my finger, like, you know, some, some of those sci-fi shows, and the bright light would have shown, and the splinter just lifted right out, and I never felt anything. Wouldn't that have been great? Almost like he had supernatural power. Are you all hearing me? God can pull splinters out without you even feeling it. You just have to ask Him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.